The following is a presentation of Team Bonding, providing more than 100 live, virtual, or hybrid corporate team building activities for companies around the world. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Hello again, my team. It's me, Rich Brennan'sland, and I'm welcoming you to Team Building Around the World, the podcast where I speak to people from the team building, team bonding industry from all over the globe. Today, I have a very special guest coming to us all the way from the Asia Pacific, Mr. David Powell, the Managing Director of Asia Ability Malaysia and Asia Ability Training in Singapore. Very exciting. Um, Also, of course, before we get to David, I do want to take a second and send some love out to my supporters. This show is being supported by the Catalyst Team Building Network. Find out more about the world's largest network of team building providers at catalystglobal.com. We also want to thank our friends at B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. Visit B1G1.com to get started. And now, everyone, um, again, I'm very excited to meet this gentleman. He comes to us with 20 years of experience in the team building field. He's the managing director, as I said, of Asia Ability um, and just an accomplished leader and facilitator with years and years of experience. Please join me in welcoming to the show Mr. David Powell, everyone. David, don't worry about that. That's just a small group of people I keep chained up under my desk for just such occasions. Perfect. Great, great to meet them all. I'm yourself. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm in Borneo in Malaysia, so it's, it's evening time for me. Ah. And yes, I'm very happy to, to be with you and share a few few thoughts about the, the team building, team bonding world. Fantastic. I'm, I've always wanted to know what's the weather like on the other side of the world. It's always hot and a little bit sticky here, but we love it. <laughs> well, we're getting into summer here, so we kind of have the same thing. I'm in New England, so it's, oh, nice. there's a lot of similarities. Um, sure. All right, so please, uh, David, go, feel free. Go ahead and tell your tell my team all about yourself. Sure. Well, actually, the, my, my background is, is sort of the opposite end of the world as well. I'm originally from Wales in the UK. Oh, lovely. But for the last 25 years, I've actually been living, working, and building teams here in Southeast Asia. Mm. And I really am fortunate enough to live in a really beautiful place and a very you know, sort of incredible place called Borneo, the third biggest island in the world. And we've got mm. great biodiversity hotspots with jungles and mountains and rivers and coral reefs and all that wonderful stuff. Fantastic. And so I'm, I'm lucky to live here with, with my family and, and sort of build our Asian teams from here. Great. Now, what brings a, 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 a what year did you actually move to Borneo? About, I think it's about 25 years ago I came, and it's an interesting story about why I'm here in Borneo. Oh, I mean, I, I was a young man traveling around the world, working you know, in, in sort of outdoor activities and, and team uh-huh. stuff in different places, and ended up coming to Borneo to do actually a rather sort of crazy expedition across Borneo, which, as I said, is this massive landmass, yeah. and is this... Basically, the equator runs across the southern part of Borneo, which is now called Kalimantan. So mm. myself and this other guy decided, actually, we wanted to follow the equator across this island. So we spent eight weeks on the rivers and in the jungles crossing Borneo. That's exciting. That was the first sort of full-on initiation to, to life here. Have you always been that kind of adventurous spirit? I was, definitely. I mean, I'm, not, I'm getting on a bit now, so not, not so much anymore. <laughs> but yes, that was what my, my background was, and, and I very much love it. And, and it was interesting because... It's very much about you know how your life you know flips or changes. I mean, after that jungle expedition, I came to the northern part of Borneo Sabah, where I live now, mm. and actually climbed this. There's a four thousand meter mountain. I climbed up the mountain, was sit, sit, spending some time in this little climbing hut on top of the mountain, and, and read about 
an outward bound school, which was which is down near the coast. And obviously outward bound I knew about and I've been involved yep. with before is is almost a foundation of team building in the world. Right. And and sure there was one in Borneo. So of course when I finally came down the mountain and my sore legs and visited the outward bound school down on the beach and there was a an old a British guy actually running the place then, and it's so long ago they used to call them wardens, not directors, mm. back in the old day of, of, of schools. And, and so he said, <laughs> you know, do you want to stay and, and volunteer for a while and help us and you know train some of our local instructors? And, and there I saw this beautiful white beach in front, and I thought, yeah, I think I could do this. So, so <laughs> yeah, that must have been a hard so choice for you. <laughs> Absolutely, a tough, tough choice. But yes, okay. So, <laughs> Um, so then I got my bag and moved in. <laughs> so um, st- staying where, staying in that that uh, that school of thought, um, can you explain to my audience who, who may not know exactly what was Outward Bound like in those days? Yeah, interesting. Outward Bound was, I mean, it's very much about usually young people, but doing sort of you know, self-development training through outdoor activities. And it was quite mm-hmm. tough or hard in those days. And you, know, you were supposed to get very wet and get very cold and, and sleep out for four <laughs> nights in a row and you know be exhausted and all those things to make yourself a better person and it, it really was you know the start of, of all this stuff that we all still do and and i think if you sort of follow the evolution of, of you know team building and, and corporate training yeah it almost all leads back to people who are, who are you know deeply involved in the outward bound around the world and it still is outward bound schools all over the world including the u.s and and all over, all over the world so it still goes on excellent obviously we've we've all sort of or many of us have taken it in a slightly different direction right since those days and, and that's sort of where we are today so let's go into that direction um what kind of changes did you did you implement out there well interestingly i mean there's a few things i mean basically after a number of years of doing that and and doing the, the sort of personal development for young people, which I still love. And I actually still have another organization that focuses on that. Mm-hmm. But then I got more involved in the sort of the corporate world of facilitation of, of the development of teams mm-hmm. and corporate teams and organizational teams. And that's become my passion ever since then. And the difference is, you know, corporate teams don't have, you know, usually have seven days or 10 days to go off and do an expedition to develop themselves. Um, it's got much shorter. I mean, actually when I started 20 years ago, you did often get a whole day or, or with people. And now you oh. often get a request for, can you build my team in two hours? <laughs> and then we move on to the next thing. So it's, it's about finding the right balance of, of what we do with, with people and, and different teams. Great. I, I'm actually really interested. I'm reading over your bio here uh, that, mm. that you have available online. And it says you've designed and conducted numerous training workshops, including leadership skills, leadership development, team leading, team development, conflict management, creative problem solving, cross-cultural teams, cross-cultural management, and customer service. I mean, you're you're all across the board. This and that's a vast uh, undertaking that you that you built a, a career out of. Um, let's talk. Let's first let's talk about leadership. What what do you think are some of the fundamentals of leadership that people might be missing? Especially, I mean, I, I think I, I very much focus on leadership of teams. So okay. how do we successfully lead, lead successful teams? And it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting one. It's after all the years of doing this and, and sort of the part of training and, and leadership development we focus on is what we call the soft skills in how you interact with, with your team and with your, your other stakeholders, how you communicate, and very much how you support, how you enthuse, how you motivate other other people. And, and it's interesting because many leaders, in, in especially in the corporate and the industrial world, 
grow up into being leaders, you know, from a very strong technical background or an engineer or, or a chemist or whatever you, you start in your career as. You're very successful as an engineer. And then you get promoted and you become a leader, a team leader first. And actually many of these people, you know, don't have the sort of training or even exposure experience in that leadership part of the job. They're fantastic at doing the engineering or the chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we try to do is, is sort of help those people be successful leaders as well as their, their sort of original um, profession. And it's interesting. And that's the way we've always done our training from the very beginning and continue to this day is through experiential learning, experiential education. It's giving people a chance to, to have a go uh, in, a, in a sort of controlled, you know, focused direction with um, facilitated sort of reviews and feedback to help help everybody learn. And importantly, also enjoy the process, you know, as well. Okay. Um, you say successful leadership. What does that look like to you? Well, successful leadership means, I think, more of, I always say one of my favorite words in, in um, successful leaders and teams actually is the word respect. Ah. So the fact that people respect you as a leader, Great. and obviously you, you respect your, your team and, and your peers. But there is, because I always find it, that respect is, is such an important you know, component of, of obviously building trust. Mm-hmm. And, and the the key, sometimes I find people, you know, sort of get confused between respect and somebody respecting you, somebody agreeing with you. You know, I can totally respect somebody, but still disagree with them. And that's fine. Right. It's, it's the respect is the important part of that relationship and that connection, that communication to enable, you know, someone to be successful in right. leadership. Fantastic. Um, okay. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit here and, and talk about, uh, talk about uh, Malaysia where you are. Um, what does, what's some of the fundamentals of team building there? Yeah, it's interesting. And you mentioned we, we do a lot of um, cross-cultural training and work mm-hmm. as well. And, and it's connected. I mean, I think, Earlier, I talked about sort of the biodiversity of the environment, the natural environment. Yeah. But we're also, I think, blessed with an amazing diversity of cultures um, within Malaysia itself. But also, we, we walk all around Asia. And so the you know, incredible you know, mix of, of cultures, of religions, of people. And one of the great pleasures I get in, in doing this job is, is we get to work with teams that are really are totally diverse and and. That of course comes up with many challenges, mm. and I think the sort of the products and the, the programs we run help people teams overcome those those challenges, basically by building connections and, and overcoming some of this the perceived differences with people. Of course, we're different, but same thing. We can respect. We can still work together, and actually, we can be best friends as well. And it's all, all good. So, what kind of diversity? Of the, what, what kind of sorry? What sorry? kind of diversity are we talking about? Oh, you know, religious, you know, in, in Malaysia, just in Malaysia itself as one country, we have you know, many, many different races. I live in Borneo. There's 50 different um, tribes of people. Many have had their own languages, mm. many different religions. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a Muslim um, governed country. Mm. But in Sabah, 50% of the population are Christians and sort of everybody basically gets on, which is, you know, the way it should be. Right, right. And, but, and, but you get that in a work environment. Often many of our sort of corporate clients would be the Asia Pacific region. Um, so for example, you, you know, we might um, be engaged to, to run a um, team alignment or, or team building session for a, a sales conference for a, for a big multinational. Mm-hmm. Obviously pre-COVID, they brought all those people together in a hotel. There's 200 people sure. from you know, 18 different countries 
all working with the same organization mm. with interestingly with the same values and the same, you know, the co- company has the same values and the same mission, the same goals, but you know, very different people bringing what they can bring to that team. So one of the great successes I've always, you know, encouraged organizations to do things like if you're going to get people together, do the, do the team building, do the, you know, so the bonding, the mixing right. on the first day. Yeah. And we've done it both ways. And you get an amazing difference just by spending three hours, you know, doing one of our, you know, sort of cleverly designed, uh-huh. but also, you know, very engaging, very, very fun um, activities. You break down so many of those barriers and you can actually see the difference for the next two days of a business meeting of what the way people interact. Fantastic. Otherwise, Otherwise, it's very common for us to stick with the, you know, the, the people we're comfortable with. You know, the, the, the Japanese office would, would hang out at lunch with, the, with their colleagues from Japan and the Koreans from Korea and the Malaysians from Malaysia, Singaporeans from Singapore. Hmm. Because that's, that's human nature. Until you find a way to make people more comfortable with each other, right. then actually you, you can mix it up. And it, it's great. Great. Fantastic. Uh, give me one second here, David. I got to actually uh, pay some bills, as we say, uh, in, in our part of the world. So. So speaking of diversity of cultures, let me take a minute to tell you all about Catalyst Team Building Network, an association of team building providers with representatives in over 90 countries speaking more than 20 different languages. The Catalyst Network is widely regarded as the voice of the team building industry. Network members share resources, best practices, and business opportunities. Catalyst partners are learning from each other and pushing the boundaries of what is possible in team building. Catalyst Network members share a common goal of creating highly relevant, socially responsible, good-valued experiences for their clients. For more information, please visit CatalystGlobal.com, the Catalyst Team Building Network, the world's largest network of team building providers. And we're back. Thanks, Dave. That was that was a fascinating discussion. Um, I want to get into that just a bit more. Um, what kind of like social diversity or not social diversity, sorry, uh, social responsibility um, focus do you have over there? There's obviously lots of need in many parts of Asia as, as a company. Um, we're, we're very strong with that. I mean, like you mentioned at the beginning, we're, we're you know, very you know, keen collaborator with the B1G1 organization, which mm-hmm. is an amazing organization actually based, based here in Singapore. Oh, lovely. And we've worked with them for many years. And the way we sort of integrate that into some of our team building and team activities happens on a few different levels. We have some um, sort of for our clients, there's always a very strong push for many organizations, which which is great, and we strongly support that. Mm-hmm. There, we have a few sort of you know, team activities, which are you know have a CSR component, or I often call it a CSR twist into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, some of the old, more traditional ones. You're building bicycles and and or building you know, toys for for which then get donated. But mm-hmm. my my sort of take on the the team building with a CSR twist has always been you know for our clients and what we do we do team building. So it really still has to be a, a successful you know, team event right. and and get the sort of the objectives achieved in terms of building the team and it, and the sort of the CSR part is a, is a wonderful plus to that okay. and it works very well well just b1g1 actually we also use that instead of giving prizes for competitive events now nowadays we give a b1g1 certificate so the winning team instead of you know getting a little something to take home they get a certificate which says that on their behalf we've we've you know provided 25 solar lights to, to a poor community in cambodia or something similar so it's, it's very powerful Fantastic. That's that's really and I love that there's an immediate show of how it works. That's so rare. 
for for a lot of institutions. But um, let's get a bit more specific. Uh, do you have any specific charities over there that you'd like to work with? I mean, interesting. We have a couple of things in the, through the B1G winners. It's a great organization, so yeah. you can sort of choose to swap many different many different charities, which is great. More closer to home here in in Borneo, we we you know it's a rainforest. A lot of it's been you know decimated over the last forty years. So mm. so what we've done is sort of tried to be a, play a small part in rehabilitating some of the rainforest. So we we're lucky to have a. So Adventure Center, which is owned by our, our sister company, Build the Expeditions. Okay. And near that, we've, we've sort of adopted a piece of forest and to rehabilitate the tree. So again, very often, you know, on behalf of our, our clients, um, we would say, okay, this, you know, this, you've got 20 teams playing the activity. You know, we'll, we'll plant 20, literally plant 20 trees in, in the rainforest for, for you. That's amazing. So it's a way to connect it, connect it up, which is, which is very nice. Lovely. I really enjoy hearing that. That's yeah. Um, I'm very ecologically conscious myself. So hearing that there's someone doing that is is so great. That's that's such a you, a respectable stance to take. Thank you so much for that. Um, but okay, what kind of um, what kind of other events do you like to lead? What what other what are some of your most popular? We have, we have many. I mean, I was I was you know thinking about what what's my favorite sort of. Um, yeah, what if I had to choose one activity? And it's sort of, there's an interesting thing about it. For me, it creates a little story around the sort of mindset of clients and, and ourselves when we're doing team building. There's a very old traditional um, team activity called, you know, we used to call it ball juggle. And you basically throw the ball around, it gets faster and faster, continuous improvement activity. Mm. I've been doing it for, you know, 20 years, it's still great. But it's, it's just interesting. And it, it, because it's great because it's, it produces sort of instant learning. And realization for the teams, but it always reminds me of a story that you know a number of years ago we we wrote a proposal for a client and this is the team development program and one of the activities was ball juggle is listed on on the on the program flow, mm-hmm. and the client came back and said oh no we've got a very sophisticated team of you know senior leaders we we don't want to do ball juggle, and interesting my first reaction well you know actually of course they don't actually know you know what the activity is we just know the name and it's got great learning activities. And, and so I, I said, but of course you're the customer, you're always right. So we'll re- redo the program, come up with some different activities. So we rewrote the program and instead of writing ball juggle, we, we rewrote it with called warp speed. Okay. And so the client thought, came back, oh, that sounds brilliant. Warp speed sounds really good. And I'm very happy to sign off on that. And of course it's actually exactly the same activity. <laughs> we just changed <laughs> the name from ball juggle to warp speed. And an interesting thought about, you know, branding, I suppose, but you know, yeah, we, we, we suggested the activity because it's great, but how you how you name it and, and people's perception of things, yeah. of course, has a huge impact as well. So that's always a, a fun one to think about. Now, you, you mentioned um, as you were discussing the ball juggle uh, that it's a great instant learning opportunity. Can you define that for my listeners? Oh, absolutely. For me, I mean, there's, there's numbers of levels of, of learning when we're doing these team activities, but it, it's, and it's always got to be engaging, always got to be fun, but but it really should be about the learning all the time. Sometimes the, our clients are very strongly driven by that. Sometimes it's more on our side you know, to push that directly or subtly for that. But there's lots of ways. I, I another in, we, as we've talked about a lot about you know the multicultural, multilinguistical teams. Right. And one of the other instant learnings I used to do, we used to, you know, you have a, a briefing for a particular activity. And, you know, say in, in one day, we're going to do six activities. And it's a mixed team, you know, 
20% of the team speak English as the first language, 80% of them don't. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting for us, us sort of native English speakers who are usually very guilty about this. Yeah. But you know, so the third activity, we give the briefing written in Japanese. And it's very interesting. I mean, four of the 10 team members are Japanese uh-huh. who have to read the English on every other one. Huh. And it's interesting, the reaction from the sort of the English speakers, and you know, they're quite competitive, when they see, how can we do this? It's in Japanese or it's in a foreign language. And, it's, and, I, and of course, there's four Japanese guys in your in your team. Just ask them to read it. Yeah, yeah. And and I used to call that sort of thing sort of slap in the face learning, <laughs> because this is the this is the experience that the Japanese guys have every day of their life. Right. When everything's sent to them in in English, and mm. suddenly to put yourself in those groups just for a second is is really sort of almost powerful learning that no one expects. Nice. Very nice, and and a lovely way to shake up the the genuine status quo that might have been there before. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. That must be it. Must be very challenging for your facilitators while they're there on site. Uh, do do they face any other kind of challenges? Well, I think of course. I mean, there's lots of challenges for as a facilitator. Um, one of the sort of connected to the sort of cultural thing. Many many of of the wonderful people here in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. are naturally. Um, not very outgoing, especially around, um, you know, giving direct feedback or, or you know, challenging somebody else. Right. And that sort of, you know, in some ways it's wonderful as well. You don't have the big arguments and fights, but one of the, the chances of, of sort of drawing out the learning can, as a facilitator can be more challenging. And so, you know, obviously we've learned and we, we train our facilitators to, to, you know, still successfully facilitate in this world. And instead of just asking a, you know, a group of 20 20 you know, corporates, people, um, you know, tell us what went well and what went wrong to the mm-hmm. whole group. If you, if you do that to many groups here, you, no one will say anything. Right. Okay. That doesn't mean they don't know and they don't have great ideas. So then it's about using, you know, facilitation tools to, to draw out that learning and, you know, breaking the small groups, have a discussion. Um, ironically, the, the, the ball left over from, from warp speed is a great sort of talking ball. You throw that around the circle <laughs> and just, Whoever's got the ball gets to talk and the rest of us listen. And it's interesting, just by giving people a, a space or, or permission to, to share, it enables them to, to, to share wonderful things. And so that's an interesting sort of that little bit of incentive or encouragement and, and the space has, has a powerful impact on that, that person. And, and we all benefit from the sharing, of course. And of course, uh, everyone's, you're getting yet another example of that respect that you were talking about earlier. Sure. Fantastic. Okay, David, hold on one more time for me. Because I want to tell all my team all about what we were talking about earlier. That's B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. When you're part of B1G1, you bring new purpose, meaning, and relevance to your business by making giving a core of what you do. Unlike conventional giving models, B1G1 helps small and medium-sized businesses achieve more social impact by embedding giving activities in their everyday business operations to create unique giving stories. Every business transaction can impact lives from just as little as one cent. So please visit B1G1.com to get started. B1G1, business for good. Okay, David. Um... Let me tell you about some of your favorites now. What are some of your, the favorite events you've ever led or, or that are coming up for your company? 
Yeah, I mean, we have lots, and with you know, we we were one of the founder members or the early members of the Catalyst Network, and mm. and I think I looked it up, and it's about fourteen years ago we 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 joined with a few companies at that stage, and that's grown into this really incredibly powerful um, team building network of, yep. of the best people in the world. I mean, I think it's fifty partners now, so so that's nice. that's been amazing, and part of that is is an opportunity to obviously learn and share best practice and and ideas, mm-hmm. but also some of the great sort of events for that a couple of my favorite sort of moments or favorite memories in all the years of, of doing team building um one of the catalyst um, products is called beats work it's, it's a you know, samba drumming um activity where everybody and all participants learn specific rhythms and and in just an hour or an hour and a half they they get to play in the band so that you know the company has the, the samba band and, and all the all these sort of people who, who you know are fearful of of playing music suddenly find themselves you know having that experience of, of actually performing. Right. But one of my, my favorite moments in that, one of our, our Subhan facilitators here from, from Borneo, Richard, um, yeah, I've got this, still got this very strong image of him standing in the middle of a, a stadium in, in the sports field. And mm-hmm. he is, he was conducting 1,500 people, you know, participants, each of whom had a musical instrument, are playing in sync in the stadium in front of him. <laughs> and and what an incredible! And it was basically the whole company, from the from the the, the drivers and the cleaners to the CEO, were all there in the stadium with an instrument each, literally playing the rhythms together. Wow! And really incredible, sort of powerful demonstration of of collaboration and actually you know, obviously very very loud collaboration yeah. at that time. But but collaboration is, is great. That's fantastic. Now. Of course, we're talking about uh, um, a brand new world here with COVID-19 uh, just ravaging across the globe. Um, how are you facing this new challenge? Oh, yeah, as you say, new challenge is the right word. I mean, yeah. you know, five, five months ago, we were planning an amazing 2020 with all these fantastic events all around Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be on the plane every week and carrying all the staff and setting up all these things. Which you know, that's what we that's what we thought we were going to do, right. and obviously we're not. Right. So that's fundamentally changed in in many ways. Um, actually, you know, ourselves and, and the Catalyst Network have been working incredibly hard to sort of pivot and re- reorganize ourselves to be able to offer um, what we're calling sort of remote team building, mm-hmm. because obviously the teams are still there, but you know, nearly everybody is working from home. Yeah, and if and anything, I think they so, need to be reminded they're they're part of a team more now than before. Absolutely, and it's it's been interesting because, again, it's it's new for us, and, and we've you know we've come up with some amazing um, sort of products that still work in terms of that that um, need. And the difference is, I think people don't really realize they need it, as you suggested. I mean, people actually the, the need to sort of interact a little bit more when we're all sitting at home is is actually more than in the office or, or in the meeting room where you, you know, it's much more natural to, to to chat with somebody or do a bit of sharing. So mm. so by sort of getting um, organizations to actually organize, you know, some activities, you know, online. I mean, obviously Zoom and WebEx and everything becomes our world. And, but, but you've been able to sort of still create some of that, that powerful experience for, for everybody. We had one last week, we did 160 people um, from, from a company all on online at the same moment doing an amazing activity, broke them into teams of four. And with you know, and they they actually problem solving collaboratively together in these teams at the same time competing with the other the other thirty eight teams. Very interesting. You know, we had ten Asia building facilitators on that program, all of which were sitting at home. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Prior to this, we would have all been on a plane. Right. <laughs> and right. 160 people would have been on a plane, maybe for three days, to get there, have the meeting, get home. Some interesting things coming out of this as well. So I, I think even the future is not just going to go back to, to, you know, as it was. Right. Lots of learning for all of us from this as well. Well, what kind of things? What kind of things are you learning about this? Or from well, this? I think the fact that, you know, if you're if people or teams are successful at working remote working and remote working from home, mm. actually it can be very very effective. Um, obviously, it's it, in some ways it's it's sort of accelerated maybe something that was sort of starting. By you know, okay, tomorrow everybody's working from home, which so is the instant need to to think about all these things. Mm. And so I, I think and the sort of stuff we've been trying to do to get people to still, as you suggested, think about I'm in a team, still communicate you know, a lot and, and effectively, but actually also be very effective and very efficient in that. Nice. But I've also, we've also discovered that this is really helpful to the environment too. This, the, you know, the lack of traffic on the roads, the, the lack of, yeah. of pollutants in the air. Um, so hopefully people will start to learn that this might be an, a, a, an, a helpful step to rebuilding the environment. But do you, do you also find that it's helping people to remain connected to their families in this way? Well, it, it is, and, and, and it's in a very different way. I mean, myself would be a great example. I mean, no, normally I'd be traveling you know, almost every week. Yeah. And so my, my family, I've got a one. I'm so lucky. I have a very, very supportive family, and I'm, I'm away a lot of time. I come back at weekends and, and so that that was the normal life mm. and you know obviously i've been in the house for three months with them so hopefully <laughs> they, they still want me to be here and not go on a plane but i hear you but yeah it's, it's been very different but it's, it's positive <laughs> i have a 14 year old daughter myself and i'm pretty sure she's sick of me by this point yeah <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, david thank you so much for being on you you've been absolutely amazing i've really enjoyed talking to you but um Let's talk a little bit more, if you don't mind, uh, uh, about you personally. Now, you, how many kids do you have? I've got uh, two kids, a 21-year-old daughter who's actually studying in New Zealand, which actually you know, COVID-19-wise is a wonderful place to be. Yeah. So she's been, been there through that. And, and I've got a, you know, a 12-year-old son who's here in, in Borneo with us. Oh, lovely. So for those who don't know um, um, where your daughter is, they're pretty much considered COVID-free by this point, aren't they? That's correct. They, I think they, yesterday they announced it's 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 over for them. Although they still keep the borders closed, so no sure. one can spoil it. Sure, but sure. Yes, at the moment, <laughs> the moment they're, they're doing wonderfully well. But interestingly, it started that was you know, started by a very sort of um, strict lockdown. But also interesting, we talked about leadership earlier. Some very you know sort of dynamic and and respectful and sort of you know empathetic leadership from from the the, the, the prime minister. So very mm. interesting. Well, let's the uh, raising these kids in a team building uh, career. Do you find that helpful? Do you actually wind up using the things you work with and bringing that home to your kids? Um, to a certain extent, yes. Probably not enough. I mean, they get involved, <laughs> and so they, they see us doing it. And but you're right. I mean, the risk is you take stuff for granted. Um, How so? I think I I think we do. I mean, in terms of the the, the time that's needed to to build a good relationship i'll go and spend all day you know persuading people to communicate better together but then when i come home will i actually you know spend the next two hours communicating as well as i can with my family mm. and so it's it's those as you said the lessons you can learn from that but but i'm i'm very you know it is i'm very passionate about what we do with the family and and that my my wonderful team at asia Realty, we've got a 
you know, small but but very loyal and dedicated team. And, and we try to, to bring back lots of the things we sort of teach and share mm-hmm. to our own teams. And, and it, it, it's, it's very powerful. We and interesting one well, moment we have a we've always had an eight forty eight meeting every day in in the the office and the various offices around Asia calling in. And we've continued that through this. So now at eight forty eight, and we every morning, yeah, everybody dials in on, on Zoom, and we still have our eight forty eight meeting, so we can connect with you know with all twenty people every That's morning. Great. So trying to to keep the important team stuff going even through these times. And your team, you said, is is built up almost in that same microcosm. Yes, totally. We got we got offices in in, in Singapore, in, in Kuala Lumpur, in Bangkok, and, and here in in, in uh, East Malaysia as well. So a complete mix of mix of people, um, but all all passionate team builders. Great, great. That that is amazing. That, I I would love to be able to experience some of that. Just you, watching your team for a day, seeing all those yeah. different diverse people and how they're working together. That would be inspiring. Mm-hmm. Well, David, thank you so much for being a part of the show. I really have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. You're you're not only are coming from a fascinating part of the world, but you're you're an excellent communicator about it. So thank you for that. Um, however, I, I'm being nice to you right now because I'm about to actually <laughs> I'm going to torture you a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> we're about to put you on the hot seat in what I call our speed round. Now, just like we do as a facilitators and people who work in the industry just as we do little icebreakers this is kind of my wrap-up icebreaker for you the way this is going to work is i'm going to take 60 seconds and i'm going to ask you a bunch of fairly innocuous ridiculous questions and your objective is to answer them as quickly as you can without thinking just the first words that come to your mind okay Okay. Great. See, I do this because I think of all those poor business people out there who, when they walk in and they realize, oh, I'm doing a team building thing, they, they get that sense of dread. So this is a little bit of revenge for them. I hope you don't mind. Okay. <laughs> Great. Once you hear the music, I'll start ask, asking the questions. Okay. Here we go. What is your name? David Powell. How many kids do you have? Two. Which one's your favorite? Both of them. See, I ask everybody and they always get the same answer. Now, um, what's the first thing you do when you go, when you get home from a trip? Um, Unpack. My wife's trained me well. Would you rather spend five days exploring Disney or New York? Oh, New York. Oh. If you could shop for free at one store, which store would you choose? Um, Outdoor outdoor equipment store. Nice. Very nice. what of your personality traits has gotten you in the most trouble? I'm being too nice. <laughs> Which celebrity <laughs> chef would you most like to fix you a meal? Uh, Jamie Oliver. Who's your favorite athlete? Um, Usain Bolt. What's your best piece of advice you've ever been given? Don't give up. Very nice. Love it. You got nine. Nine. That's that's a little high on the average, but not the best one I've had so far. I'm sure. <laughs> but David, thank you so much for being a part of the show. I, I I have to say, you were a wonderful guest, and I love talking to you. Please, everybody, give one more time a big round of applause, Mr. David Powell.
And my team out there, that about wraps it up for me for another episode of Team Building Around the World. If you like this show, please share it with a friend or a colleague, and we'd be grateful if you would subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave us a favorable review. If you don't have anything favorable to say, just shut up about it. Nobody really minds. All past episodes can be found at teambonding.com. So, my friends, I have been Rich Rennensland. This was Team Building Around the World. And remember, if you're within the sound of my voice, you're on my team now, and I'm on yours. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. It's been said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your coworkers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.